This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Good to see y'all's faces. There's some people I've seen recently, some people I haven't seen in a while. It's good to see y'all. Welcome to Passion Church. My name is Stephen, and uh, today we are kicking off a series called Hope Begins Here. And today, specifically, we're talking about hope begins at the cross. All right. Uh, So, Hope. Hope is a really important thing. Without hope, what do we have? Nothing. Hope is called the anchor of our soul. When you lose hope, nothing can bring you back. At least it feels that way. But you have to know that there are good things ahead. You have to keep your hope up, and it's a choice, right? Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things hoped for. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Because you can't have faith without hope. See, hope and faith are two different things. A lot of people don't realize that. They use hope and faith interchangeably. But hope and faith are two very different things. They have some similarities, but they're different. All right? And faith begins with hope. Hope, faith tends to get kind of all the, the spotlight attention because it's, it's the aspect of it that brings things into fruition, that brings things into manifestation. But hope is what starts it all. Without hope, your faith is just shooting in the dark. Okay? Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, then we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something that we don't have here, then we must wait patiently and confidently. All right? So what we're seeing is hope... It's something you don't have, all right? It's a desire. It's something that you could say you're, you're wishing upon in a way, you know, someone could say. Hope is, it's, it's a longing, a deep longing. Hope is a positive expectation for the future. And hope is a very, very powerful thing. Hope is like a picture, all right, it's, it gives you that image of what it is. It paints the picture of what your faith is shooting for. It's like, imagine the guy who goes off to war, and he takes a picture of, you know, the girl that he loves back home. Why does he do that? It's because it's giving him something to hope for. That while he's in there in the trenches, and he's going through it, and it seems like all hell is coming against him. He can pull out that picture and look at it, and he thinks, I can fight to live another day. I can live to fight another day. He, I can keep going. Because that girl, he's thinking about her. He's thinking, I just got to get home to her. That's what's going to keep him going. That's what hope is. Hope is that thing that's going to keep you going. It's that picture. It's like a target. All right? Faith is like the bullet in the gun. It's It's... It's the thing that's going to pierce it. But without the target, like I said, you're just shooting your faith, just kind of shooting from the hip. You've got to have a target. You've got to have hope. You know, one way that we can learn some things about hope is by looking at its opposite. We can look at worry. All right? Hope and worry are actually pretty similar. They're just opposites. God uses hope. Satan uses worry. Hope is a positive expectation for the future. Worry is a negative expectation for the future. You know, with hope, you're imagining good things are going to happen. My healing is coming. I'm imagining myself being healed. I'm imagining being able to walk without pain. I'm imagining being able to get to the end of the month and have more money left over than month. I'm tired of getting to week number two or week number three and still having more month than I have money. Hope is picturing. You know what? I see it coming. I see that kid that is 
walked away from God that's not in church. I see them living for God. I mean, I see it right now with my natural eyes, but I see it right here. I see it right here. I can see it. That's what hope is. All right? Hope is an extremely powerful thing. Worry, on the other hand, it's also extremely powerful. Worry, it will cause, just like hope can cause things to happen, worry can cause things to happen. You can worry about things so much that you bring things upon yourself. You know, you could sit there and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, God is good, God is good. But, man, I don't know what we're going to do about this, this the economy, man. It just, I, don't, I think it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, wh- why say that? What, what does it matter what it looks like in the, on the news? What do you see it as? You know, you got to speak these things. You got you to put that in. Don't speak worry. All right? So use hope. Use that as your picture. That's the thing you got to be looking at. Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You see, it's when, you, when your hope is put off and you keep expecting it to come, but then it never comes. It makes your heart sick. You lose hope. You're broken. You feel broken inside. Anyone ever feel that way? Are there any people that feel, maybe feel broken right now? You feel hopeless. My goal today is to get you feeling hopeful again. Get you feeling hopeful. When the desire comes, it is a tree of life. It's a tree of life. You know, Abraham was 80 years old. 80 years old, man. And he didn't have any children. Sarah had never been able to conceive, even as a young woman. Her, she was infertile. And I'm pretty, you know, I imagine Abraham and Sarah, they had obviously at that point just kind of accepted the fact they'd never have children. Until one day, until one day God showed up. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to give you so many descendants that it would be impossible to even count them. You know what? And Abraham believed. Abraham believed and God counted it to him as righteous. 80 years old. Sarah was 70. All right. What would you think if an 80-year-old man walked up to you and said, God told me he's going to give me a child? (laughs) You'd be like, oh, great, you're going to adopt? (laughs) He's like, nope. I mean, you know, the reality. Imagine some 80-year-old man actually telling you that. I'd just kind of be like, oh, good for you, buddy. And just <laughs> pat him on the back. You know, I'm heading that way. All right. But, but the reality is God spoke to an 80-year-old man. He said, I'm going to do this. And Abraham believed him. You see, in the natural, it looked impossible. He's 80. All right. Things aren't working exactly the way they used to. And Sarah's 70, and they just never worked, you know? So, I mean, that beyond the fact of that she, it would be different if she was once able to have children, you know, and then by some crazy freak miracle, all of a sudden she's 
spouts out a baby. I don't know. I mean, you hear about, I don't know about 70, but you hear about stuff like that. All of a sudden, like, you know, 68-year-old woman or 65-year-old woman gives birth. And you're like, whoa. You know, all right. You're sitting there doing the math when the kid graduates, you know. But the reality is she never was able to have children. So it's like, where's the hope in that? But Abraham believed because Abraham knew that his hope could not be in what he sees. My hope cannot be in what I see. You can't look at the things that you see in the natural. You have to think about what is it you're believing for, and you got to see that. Choose to see that over the things that you see with your natural eyes. It says that Abraham considered not the deadness of his own body. Reproductively, he was dead. I mean, he was still alive, but reproductive-wise, he was dead. You know? Uh, nor It says, nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't even consider those things. You cannot consider, when you're believing for something, when you're hoping for something, you cannot consider the things that you see. You can't. You cannot even leave a room for doubt. Because doubt, it'll wedge its way in, and it will elbow its way to where worry and doubt are what's prevalent and hope gets pushed to the side. You can't even consider the things of the natural that you see that are negative. Second Corinthians says that we shouldn't look at things that are seen because they are only temporary. Instead, we should look at the things that are not seen because those are the things that are eternal. They are eternal. I love another translation says, the things that are seen are subject to change. I like that. Things that are seen are subject to change. That child that's giving you a hard time, they're subject to change. Your health, that report the doctor gave you, it's subject to change. Your marriage is on the rocks, it's subject to change. Your financial, it's looking pretty bad. It's subject to change. Some of you need to take your checkbook out right now and look at it and say, you are subject to change. (laughs) You know, maybe you got a boss that just verbally abuses you and gives you a really hard time and is just a jerk to you. You know, you just smile at him and say, you are subject to change, sir. I don't recommend saying that to his face, though, because then your job will be subject to change. (laughs) The things that are seen are subject to change. I love that. So not only are they temporary, they're subject to change. They can change. It can change. That negative situation, that thing that's been bothering you, it can change. doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with it. It's not too late. It can change. My hope is not in what I see, nor is my hope in my circumstances. Some of you, I feel bad for Christians who base their, their faith in God on their circumstances. They tend to look at their circumstances like, well, you know, if it's God's will, it'll happen. So in that case, the things that are happening must be God's will. If you're going to think like that, man, you're going to get a really confusing picture of God. You're going to think God's cruel one second, loving the next and hurtful and hateful the next after that. Satan is the god of this world. All right? We handed, Adam handed control over to him in the garden. God gave it to Adam. 
and Adam traded it for an apple or for a fruit. You cannot look at your circumstances and base that on what your hope is in. My mom and dad, some of you, a lot of you probably heard this story before. Um, my dad, uh, about 30, we'll see, no, 40, man, time's gone by. Uh, I forgot how old I was there for a second. <laughs> uh, so 40, 45 years ago, my dad was traveling evangelist. And my mom and dad, they were traveling around. They had a little baby. They had, actually, they had a five-year-old girl and then an infant. And then they're living out of this little trailer being pulled by a van. And they're going around the country, and my dad is speaking at different churches, at revivals, and, and different things like that. And that's how they're making their living. And they just... He goes to a church, goes to a little town. He'll speak there, maybe for a Sunday, maybe for a week-long thing, and then move over to the next town. And to be honest, a lot of the times, they, they barely had enough money to get to the next town. The money that he would get from speaking would be just enough to cover the gas. Sometimes not even that much. But God always came through. Their hope wasn't in their circumstances. Their hope wasn't in what they saw. Because if they had put their hope in that, I mean, you know what? He'd feel pretty defeated. And then he's got to get up and try to preach and rev people up when the whole time he's feeling broken and hopeless. No, he kept his hope in God. Not in his circumstances. Not in what he saw. My mom and dad, one night, it was in the winter, and they're on the side of the road. It's the middle of the night, and my dad is, basically, the, the, the septic tank on the trailer had frozen, and which is not a good thing. So here's my dad, and he's out there at the back underneath the trailer with a, 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 a hanger that he's unwound and he's sitting there going in the pipe of the septic tank trying to chop up the ice and un- all the poop ice and, and get it to unclog and he's trusting God and now while he's doing that my mom, she opens the door and she sticks her head out and she says, Steve, what are we going to do? We don't, have, we don't have enough money to feed, our, for, to feed ourselves, nor do we have enough money to feed our children. Forget feeding us. We don't have enough money for our kids. We have a five-year-old little girl. We have a brand-new baby girl. We don't have enough money for formula. We don't have enough money for them to eat. What are we going to do? And my dad, he's sitting there with the hanger going in the poop icicle and poop popsicle. And he's sitting there shoving it in, and he's sitting there while he's doing that. He's saying, Denise, I have never seen the righteous of God forsaken. That's right. You know it. And she says, but Steve, and he just said it. He said, Denise, I have, and he, just, he kept saying that. And that was what he was standing on. 
He was putting his hope in that promise. Because in the natural, there was no hope. It, 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 you know, he might as well just quit because this obviously isn't God. If, God. if this was God, God would be blessing it. You know? No, that's not the case. There's an enemy. The enemy's not going to just say, oh, okay, God, you got this, I'll step out of the way. No. The enemy's going to throw, the more it is God, the more the enemy's going to throw at you. So your hope cannot be in your circumstances. Your hope has to be in God, in the promises of God, in Jesus. Proverbs says the spirit of man will sustain him in sickness. Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of man will sustain him in sickness. Hope is what gets us through difficult times. I tell you what. You live long enough, you're going to go through a whole lot of difficult times. You may be going through them right now. Sometimes right when you're getting out of one, you think, okay, finally, and then all of a sudden another one hits you. Sometimes you're going through a bunch of them, and it seems like you're getting just attacked in everywhere. It's at home, at work, my finances, my kids. God, just take me right now because my hope's in heaven. Let's go. (laughs) You know, you feel that way at times. I do. You know, I'm not going to lie. But my hope is not in what I see. It's not in my circumstances. The spirit of man will sustain him in sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? You know what it's talking about right there? It's talking about hope. That's what that verse is talking about. Who can bear a broken spirit? Because without hope, You got nothing. You're broken. David, he was talking about that. He, he wrote in Psalms, he was saying that his enemies were attacking him from every angle. He said, my enemies are waiting for me. They accuse me of things I've never even done. And with every breath, they threaten me with violence. That sounds pretty, pretty depressing. I don't think he was just talking, you know, figuratively. I think that's what was actually going on, and he, he was well aware of it. And he was feeling pretty down at that point. I know I would. He goes on to say, yet. <laughs> yet. That's a powerful word. My enemies are waiting for me. They accuse me of things I've never done, and with every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet, I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. And I love that he put that at the end, while I'm here in the land of the living, because he was confident, you know, all right, well, I know this life is going to, you know, I'm going to go through some really difficult things, and, you know, I guess this is just my lot in life. You know, it's not a lot, but it's a life. And, you know, but when I get to heaven, that's when I'll get my reward. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, God, I'm confident that you've got more for me than this. This isn't all it is. You didn't put me on this earth just to suffer. You didn't bring me out of Egypt to leave me now. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. David was making a choice right there. 
You know, I think when he was writing it, I don't think he was writing it thinking ahead of time before he started writing it. You know, hmm, all right, I'm going to talk about how all this is going bad, but I'm trusting God. No, I think he was writing it, and he was like, I think he was just kind of almost like journaling it, just like, man, all oh, this is happening, and this is happening. And he was feeling it as he was writing it. And I think, but then he got to a point while he was writing, and then he just thought, you know what? But God. But God. And he started cheering himself up. And he said, you know what? Yeah, I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness. I'm confident of it. If God spoke to Abraham when he was 80 years old and told him, you're going to have a son. I'm going to give you so many descendants. No one would ever be able to count them. You're going to be the father of not just a nation, but many nations. You know what that means. The, reason, the way that happened is because of us. Everyone who believes is a child of Abraham. So Abraham literally has children all over the world in different nations. Abraham, God spoke to him, but 20 years goes by. Nothing. Not a peep. Sarah, you got a bump? No. No. I thought I saw something. No, I just had gas. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang it. No. No, honestly, Abraham, he wasn't worried about it. Because he wasn't looking at what he saw. He wasn't looking at his circumstances. He was looking at God and God's promise. Abraham waited 20 years for his promise. And I'm sure there were those who ridiculed him and said he was crazy. But the Bible says he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he said he would do. Not only that God would do it, but God is able to do it. Because I know he's thoroughly sitting there thinking, he's like, how in the world is that even possible? God said he's going to do it, so obviously he can do it, and he's going to do it. And he was fully convinced. Fully convinced. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I, this is the Lord speaking, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans of good, not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. That's God's plan for you. God's plan is not for you to suffer, not for you to struggle. God's plan is for you to have hope, to have a future, to be blessed. You know, the reason I think that Abraham was able to make it those 20 years, living off that one thing, holding on to that one promise, and never seeing it for 20 years, how, how was he able to do that? I mean, he's 80 years old. You'd think at some point he would just kind of go, I don't know, I'm 90 now, man. It, it, it was long stretch at 80, but I don't, it's just, it can't happen now. No, he, st- he stuck to it. At 99 years old, God showed up and he said, this time next year, this time next year, you will have a child. You know why Abraham was able to make it? It's because he didn't put a timetable on his hope. Had Abraham, had Abraham said, you know what? God's going to make me a father. And I, I, bet he's, he's, I think he's going to do it in the next, sometime in the next five years. Five years goes by. He's 85? Okay, well, hmm, maybe not today. Uh, 
probably sometime in the next five years, definitely before I'm hit 90. You know, there's no way I was going to, you know, wait that long. 90 comes. Probably by, by the end of this year. If Abraham had done that, he would have lost hope. He would have lost hope. Don't put a timetable on your hope. God's plan for you doesn't have an expiration date. Your hope doesn't have an expiration date. Don't put a timetable on it. If you do that, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You're setting yourself up for hopelessness. Because God doesn't operate in time. So right there, you're putting something of man on God. You just have to say, I don't know when God's going to do it. Honestly, that doesn't matter. What I do know is he's going to do it. You cannot put a time on these things. Don't put any limits on God. There was uh, this guy. He was a prisoner of war. I don't remember what country it was, but he was a prisoner of war for eight years. During that eight-year period, he was tortured like 20-something times. And he made it home, made it stateside, and he was being interviewed. And they, they asked him, they said, you know, how in the world did you survive that long? I mean, eight years as a POW, being tortured? How did you, how did you make it? Because most people don't make it. And he said, you know what? He said, the reason I was able to do it, even when I was, especially when I was being tortured, he said, the reason I was able to do it was because I was confident that we were going to win. We were going to win the war. I knew it was going to happen. He said, I just, he said, I just had this knowing in me. It's going to be all right. In the end, we're going to win. And when we do, I'm free. They asked him, they said, you know, well, what about the people, you know, like, what, were there people that, you know, there obviously were people that didn't make it that were with you as a prisoner. So, I mean, like, what was their, what do you think the reason is that they didn't? And he said, you know what? He said, the people that didn't make it were the optimists. They were, they had nothing that they were placing their hope on. He said they would actually, they would put a date on it. They'd say, oh, they're going to rescue us by Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving would come. They'd say, okay, well, you know, it's definitely going to be by Christmas. That's when they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna get this thing. They're going to come and get us. Oh, definitely by Easter. Fourth of July, that would be perfect. I mean, how awesome would that be? It's Independence Day, they're going to come out and rescue us. Rambo's going to show up, yank us out of there. Arnold Schwarzenegger, get to the Java. It's going to be great. Fourth of July comes. And they're just sitting there, waiting. Nothing happened. No helicopters, nothing. They eventually gave up hope. They started going, it's not going to happen, man. Stop believing. I gave up long before. Why are you still holding on? Don't put a timetable on your hope. You say, Stephen, all right, that sounds good, but what about the economy? It doesn't look good, you know? And what they're saying on the news, you know, or Stephen... I hear what you're saying. That sounds great. But I've been struggling with this addiction for so long. 
And I've tried so many times, but I just can't seem to break it. I just, how am I supposed to hope for that? What about the medical report? The doctor put a time on that. What am I supposed to do with that? You know what I say? What about God? What about our God? Who cares about all that stuff? But God. My hope is not in what I see. It's not in my circumstances. You know what my hope is in? My hope is in Christ alone. My hope begins right there. It begins at the cross, what that says. My hope begins at the cross. That's where hope begins. The cross and what Jesus did for me on that cross. You know, when Jesus was being crucified, Satan, Satan sought to completely destroy all hope of salvation. He started realizing, oh, I see what God's doing here. I'm going to put a stop to this. And he said, that's the guy God's going to use for salvation? I'm going to kill that guy and make sure it never happens. That way humanity has no option. Little did he know, he was playing right into God's hands. The Bible says that had the enemy known what was going to happen, had they known that the crucifixion was actually going to give us salvation, it says that the enemy actually would not have killed him. In fact, the enemy, probably Satan would have probably ordered a like, legion of demons to circle encircle Jesus and just don't let anything come near him, don't let him like trip, you know. If someone gives him a weird look, then fill up that person with demons and make them run off a cliff. Do something like, they would be protecting Jesus because they were like, we can't let him die. We cannot let him die for these people because we, we got we to, gotta, you know. Satan had no idea. He was playing right into God's hands. You know, today we're talking about the hope begins at the cross, but I actually, I named this message, Hope Planted. Hope planted. You know, hope grows. You may have just a little bit of hope, but it grows. You know, Satan was seeking to destroy all hope. He had the soldiers dig a hole in the ground. And then they took a tree and they put that tree in the ground. And then they put Jesus on it. And his blood ran down. Little did they know they were planting hope. That hole, that hole they dug in the ground, that tree they planted was going to be the start of it all. Hope planted. <laughs> I think that's quite funny. God used Satan to plant hope. <laughs> you know, God had Satan do it for him. You know, Satan had to be so ticked off after that. I mean, seriously, he was, he was probably throwing things and just, it's like all the demons were like, don't go in there. He, he's, 
Like, you know? <laughs> like, he's in one of his moods. <laughs> Hope planted. You know, when what was seen in the natural said, it's over. Just give up. When circumstances said, it is completely and utterly hopeless. That is when God gave us our greatest hope of all, salvation. When humanity was at his worst, when the world was at its darkest, God gave us hope. The hope of the world. Romans 4 says, Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed. Against all odds. Some translation says he hoped beyond hope. But what that means is when there was no hope, he hoped. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise. And not only did he believe, he expected. This is what it says. All right? The Passion Translation, Romans 4.18. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. You know, we think of hope, we kind of think of it in human terms, like, well, you know, I hope it happens. Which basically, to us, means like, eh, it may or may not. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about hope. It's talking about, it's going to happen. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. I, I fully believe it. All right? It's this confident belief that it's going to happen. An expectation. It says that he took God at his word. What would happen if you started taking God at his word? When you read something in the Bible and you just said, you took it for face value. What do you think God really, I mean, what does it say? I think it means what it says. Yeah, but did God, yeah, yeah, I do believe that. I do think that. He took God at his word, and as a result, I love that, as a result, cause and effect, he took God at his word. When all odds were against him, it was completely hopeless. Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. That's what it says. After 20 years of hoping and believing, Abraham finally got his miracle. Are you in a hopeless situation right now? What are you hoping for? What are the things that you're believing God for? Does it seem hopeless? Are all the odds against you? Then get ready for a miracle. Because that's the same situation that Abraham was in. It was hopeless. All the odds were against him. And he got his miracle. The further it got into that 20-year period, the more hopeless it became in the natural. But the Bible says that his hope actually grew during that time. In the natural, the hope was doing this. And at the same time, his hope was going up. Get ready for a miracle. You know, it's interesting. God chose to use 
to start the old covenant and everything with the, a miracle birth. A 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman give birth to a baby. That's how God chose to start it. 2,000 years later, he starts the new covenant with a miracle birth. A virgin gives birth to a baby. Get ready for your miracle. You know, the reason I think that, because you may say, you know, why did God, why did, why didn't God kind of like tell Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, a little closer to that end point? You know, like, why do you do it at 80? Why didn't he tell him like at 95? You know, that way for five years he's believing. Why, why 20 years? You know the reason I think they did that? I think that God, one, I think two reasons. I think one, God wanted it to get completely hopeless. He wanted it to get to a point to where people would look at that and say, That's, there's no way. That's impossible. He didn't want, if, if Abraham had had the child in, at 80 and Sarah at 70, people would be like, are you serious? That's amazing. But, I mean, it's, it is possible. But God wanted it to be known this was only done because of God. The only way this happened is because of God. God wanted it to get to that point. That's why, one of the reasons why I think that God, he, he wanted it to get to that point, to where it was just completely hopeless. The other thing is I think that God wanted to a- develop Abraham. Abraham had a really big role to fill, a very big task, to be the father of our faith, the father of our many nations. So in order to do that, he needed to develop Abraham. And over that 20-year period, he was developing Abraham and getting him to that point to where he was ready for it. You know, Moses and children of Israelites, you know, they're, the children of Israel, they're escaping Pharaoh. They're being chased by the Egyptian army, being chased by Pharaoh. And they get chased to this point where they reach an end. All of a sudden, there's a large body of water in front of them. And most of them don't know how to swim. They, were, they spent their whole life in Egypt. They didn't grow up around, like, hey, let's go to the lake today. Let's go in the swimming pool. No. What are, what are we going to do? We're being chased by an army. Army's on one side. Big old body of water, and then right here is, like, cliffs and mountains and stuff. So we're trapped. We got nowhere to go. God had wanted them to get to a point where it was, it seemed hopeless. And then God gave them their miracle. Where do you put your hope? Do you put your hope in in things? Do you put your hope in man? Do you put your hope in money and your finances and your job? Do you put your hope in what the government can do for you? We see how well that goes. Government can't even agree on things. All they do is they're like children that bicker amongst themselves. We can't put our hope in anything of this world. Our hope has to be in God. 
Put your hope in the eternal sacrifice of Jesus Christ and you will never be shaken. I'm going to close with this. We have uh, in our backyard, my wife Hillary and I, we've been slowly over six, seven, about six years planting uh, trees in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, the, so yes, my sons are speaking up. My, Stephen and Roman, my 19-year-old and 16-year-old, they, they, yes, I, left, I let them do a lot of the hard labor. <laughs> No, I was right there with them. Um, but they, Stephen, Roman, and then uh, Hillary, my wife, we, over the past six years, we've been slowly putting little trees in our backyard with the plan that they'll eventually become big trees. <laughs> and we'll have this backyard that we're envisioning, this hope. All right? And we're planting things, trying to make it look real pretty, and beautiful and have it be something that when we go to our backyard, it's someplace that we can kind of, at the end of the day, kind of let go of all the stuff from that day. And it's starting to finally look like what we've been envisioning. It's not there yet, but we're starting to see it. And then the spring is so pretty. It starts blooming and in the summer, Everything's so green. The birds are nesting in the little trees. We hear them like singing and tweeting. But in the winter, you don't see any of that. In the winter, the grass is dead. The leaves have all fallen off the tree and blown away and the tree just looks bare. Honestly, it looks no different than a dead tree. Any flowers are covered up in snow. And by the look of things, it's all done for. Everything, all our work is dead and gone. But that's not the reality. The reality is that during the wintertime, those roots, something's happening down there underground. You know that, right, Chris? Those roots are actually growing deeper. They're going deeper into the soil to survive. They're actually becoming stronger so that next spring, next summer, it's even more beautiful. You know, it's easy to worship God in the summertime when everything is vibrant and beautiful. You knew I was going there. It's easy to worship God in the summertime when everything is vibrant and beautiful and you feel the warmth of the sun. But can you learn to trust God in the cold and gray of winter when the sun hides for days and the frigid wind stings your cheeks? Let your roots grow deep during your winter time. Let God do what he needs to do in you so that you will be fully prepared for what he has planned for you when your spring arrives. Isaiah 60, God says, when the time is right, I will make it happen. Look to the cross. Don't give up hope. 
Keep hoping, and you will see your miracle. Father God, thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. Jesus, you sent a baby, a miracle birth, 33 years later, a child was killed. with the right person. Come and talk to us. We want to give you some information that's going to help you in these next steps. We don't want to just babies born and then push them out the hospital. No, we want to give them some things to help nurture this, this time. All right? Don't give up hope. 
All right? Hold on to your hope and trust that it's going to happen. Y'all have a blessed day. And I'm going to hand things over to Brother Bruce. Amen, brother. That's good. Amen. That was awesome, wasn't it? Amen. Praise God. Amen. That was good. I, I was blessed. Amen. Amen. We don't need to give up hope. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, go back. You can watch this message online. Go back and listen to it again and again. Amen. You know, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. Not by having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. The more you hear it, the more persuaded. That's the definition of faith, a firm persuasion or conviction based upon what you heard. So the more you hear, guess what? You know, that hope that he talked about, faith starts filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. Amen? So praise God. Amen. Give him another hand for that. That was just good. Amen? Praise be to God. Amen. I got a couple of announcements if I can put my specs on here. Amen. Okay, don't forget that, uh, okay, church offices will be closed Monday. Tomorrow is Labor Day. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.